The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Got to regroup here for a second. That, that, <laughs> that's powerful singing that, isn't it? That's, that's kind of uh, good stuff. I got to figure out what I was supposed to do up here. Uh, actually, this is my last week of vacation, um, meaning uh, I've been going through Daniel chapter 1 through 6, and that's been pretty easy, I got to tell you. I mean, you got chapter 1 was, you know, the, Israel, uh, the Hebrew children are taken, and they won't eat the king's meat, and God delivers them, and that's pretty good. Chapter 2 was Nebuchadnezzar had his vision, Daniel had to interpret it, and God showed him the interpretation and delivered him. Chapter 3, you got the fiery furnace and the three children thrown in there, and God delivered them. In chapter 4, you have Nebuchadnezzar gets the warning about, uh, you know, he's going to go out and live in the field like a wild animal. And uh, chapter 5, last week, we had the writing on the wall. In every one of these chapters, we see God deliver and everything like that. And today, I mean, come on. In fact, they rate this. By the way, the reason I said my, my easy streak ends is next week I could go into chapter 7 through 12. I don't ever think I've actually taught on those, so I'm going to have to work for my money this week uh, to try to get that. But uh, this is a story, whether or not you have ever had anything to do with church, God, the Bible, anything like that, you've probably heard of this one, Daniel in the Lion's Den. In fact, and I don't know who does these little surveys, but whenever I look things up online, I find different things. They had the top 10 uh, stories from the Bible that people are familiar with, okay? Number one was Christmas and Jesus' birth. Number two was Easter, Jesus' resurrection. Number three was creation. Number four was Daniel and the lion's den. How about that? Now, I wrote down four, uh, five, six, and seven. Anybody want to take a guess? What, what else is? Okay, these are stories that people who don't even know the Bible still are familiar with. What? Noah was in there. I think he was, I skipped one. So uh, he was six. Who? Nah. Well, I said creation. Uh, no points for her. Uh, David and Goliath. Yes, you got that. That's in there. That was number five. And number seven, I don't think you'll get. They, were t they said like the 666, the whole idea that that's evil. That was in there. I, I, that's not really a story, but, you know, people know that that number was, you know, the number like that. People get that. So anyway, uh, however, this, like I said, story we're very familiar with. So uh, excited about looking at that and drawing uh, some, some things from there. We're going to begin by reading uh, verses 1 through 9. We're actually going to read the whole chapter. By the time we get done here, we have less extra stuff today, so I get to talk to you forever. Just fasten your seatbelts. Uh, we're re ready to go. The story begins in Daniel chapter 6, and it says it pleased Darius to set up a kingdom in the kingdom, 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. Let me just review here for a second. No longer is Babylon in charge. Remember at the end of last week, the Medes and the Persians have come in. Their king Darius has said, hey, we're going to do things a little bit differently. I'm going to let go of a little control. I'm going to give this, I'm going to delegate a little power. We're going to have 120 satraps throughout the kingdom uh, that are in charge. And over them, over those 123 officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give an account, so that the king might suffer no loss. In other words, one of the things these guys had to do was collect the taxes. 
And uh, apparently the king wasn't real confident that they would all give him the taxes. So we're going to put some guys that are in charge of you. We got three guys. Daniel's one of them. And uh, he's going to make sure that the king suffers no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished among all the other high officials and satraps because there was an excellent spirit in him. That's a powerful phrase. It's not our sermon today, but uh, there was an excellent spirit in him. Um, you know, in digging into that a little bit, some people believe they're talking about the fact that God's spirit had come upon him. That's the spirit. Others say that, no, this was just his spirit, the type of person that he was. Either way or both ways, a Daniel was a great living testimony of God's working in his life and of his devotion to God. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So in other words, I got these three guys in charge. Daniel's way above everybody else. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make that the man. I'm going to make him the man. But then the high officials and the satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they, listen to this, they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Somebody has said, this is how you know there was no internet back then. Uh, they could not find anything bad against, uh, against Daniel. Today, they'd have been able to dig up something. Surely, there must be something or at least uh, make something up. Well, that's ex actually the direction that they have to go. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. In other words, this guy is so stinking committed to his God, let, let's use this against him. Let, let's figure out a way. So these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors, the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except for you, O king, shall be cast in the dead of lions. Now, there's a word I want to call your attention to. We'll look at it again later at the beginning of chapter, uh, verse 7. It's all. They said everybody's in agreement on this. Okay, we're going to come back to that, but there's no way they talk to everybody, all 120. But they come and they say everybody thinks this. This is how you manipulate. This is how you bend the truth. They're pretty good at that, that there. So, the, so they've got this together. Anybody remember where I was? Verse 9, 8. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians. I think Chris mentioned this a couple weeks ago when he was talking from Esther. The Medes and the Persians were known for that. Basically, this is the law. It's written in stone. You cannot change it. Um, it cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. Now, we're going to read some more in a couple minutes, but I, first of all, would like to get you to see two words. And uh, the kind of weird thing today, usually I have about 15, 16 different slides. We have four today, but don't get excited. You're still not going to get done early. It's a long, no, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but uh, I wanted you to see, and I want, you, I want to get this picture in your mind, okay? I want, to I want you to take a snapshot of these two words together, because this is something that we see over and over again throughout Daniel, prosperity, but also persecution. If you want to say it like this, the good but also the bad. This is the world we live in, where we have and we experience and we see God's blessing and we see God's goodness, but we also have mixed in there, if you want to say a little nasty. Really goofy illustration, but yesterday I was, uh, I, you know, I get excited about yard work. I really do. If it's my yard, don't 
<laughs> don't sign me up. <laughs> you can come to my house. I, I get that every time. Okay, but I really do love just being outside and working in the yard. So I was pretty excited about, uh, I got home yesterday about uh, 11 o'clock, 11.30, and I went out in the yard. Um, maybe I got a little bit too much vitamin D out there, but uh, they, <laughs> the sun was pretty powerful about them. But I got, I got down, and I was finishing up the spring planting. Sounds like I'm a farmer. Actually, it was just a row of zinnias. But, um, but I was sprint finishing up the spring planting. So I get down on my knees there, and I start to clear some things out. And, you know, I'm pretty excited. It's a beautiful day. I'm really enjoying nature, and I think this is great. And I don't know. I think it was a yellow jacket, but something stung me. And, uh, you know, I don't like to be overly dramatic, uh, but it's probably the worst bee sting ever uh, in the history of uh, mankind. And, you know, so all of a sudden, you know, this pain and, and everything like that. A lesser man would have called 911 right away, but I've, I'm, I powered through it uh, and, and kept going. But I got, I, again, I told you it's kind of a goofy illustration, but I just thought, thought of that. Hey, here we are, this beautiful, you know, I'm out in nature. I'm enjoying this. This is all good. Stinking bee sting. And, you know, how often do we just look at life and think, man, couldn't things just stay good? Couldn't we have one day after another, bam, 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 of good, 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 good? And somewhere we always have to, have to work this in. I saw, I was carrying the newspaper, and I didn't even read it, but what did it say? The, the next challenge is coming, or, oh, from one challenge to another was the headline, I think, on the front of the South Bend Tribune. And they were talking about the worker shortage now, which, uh, you know, we could talk about that everywhere. Uh, we were celebrating Francis' birthday this week, and, you know, went to a nice restaurant. I don't know how long we waited. They didn't have any hamburger because nobody came in to prepare the meat. I didn't understand that. Uh, and they had one waitress working the whole thing and one person in the back. And we waited a long time. Yesterday, I was out with the elders for breakfast. This poor lady's waiting on the whole restaurant by herself. And I said, do you have any help? She said, well, when they get here, <laughs> when, when they feel like coming, you can't fire anybody because you can't get anybody else to replace them right, right now. And we have this mess going on. But they said, from one challenge to the next, what's the next challenge going to be? Doesn't our lives seem like that sometimes? You know, really, could we just, God, could we just have easy street for a little while? But I want us to remember, okay, Daniel experienced prosperity for sure, okay? At the end of every one of these six chapters, it says there's a promotion. We're moving forward. I'm moving you up. Everything is good. The theme that we're looking at with the book of Daniel is thriving in exile. He's in exile, but he's doing well. He's thriving. He's making progress. Uh, you know, the king keeps moving him up and moving him forward. And, of course, we'll see even in this story with the lions, of course, that he comes out well. It's all good. God is blessing and prospering. But there's also going to be the other side. In this world, couldn't we just have a life that doesn't have any of that? Yes, it's called heaven. Won't that be wonderful? But for right now, we live in the nasty now and now. We live in a sin-cursed world, and we're going to continue. So I want you to capture these two words together, because if you are like me, in my mind, I'm always thinking, hey, I want God's blessing, and I want easy street, and we're all a little skeptical when we get on easy street, because it's like, okay, what's coming next? <laughs> <laughs> What's the challenge? Because that is very much the world we, we live in. Now, I want to come back to that in just a second here. I want to mention again what I said about the, their plan that they had to get together and develop this little plan to get Daniel in trouble. And they lied, and they came in, and they said, everybody believes this. I, I just wanted to point that out to you because this is an attack that comes your way. Sometimes you think everybody is thinking this. Everybody is against me. Okay, you know, sometimes I, I had a boss one time that when he came in and gave directions, whenever he wanted to do something, he'd come in and he'd say, I've heard from a number of people, 
That was his line every time. Drove me crazy. I've heard from a number of people that this is what we ought to do. Yeah, the number is one. It's you. Uh, yeah, I, I had a little bit of an attitude. But, uh, but you know, we have this number or everybody thinks this, and we try to communicate that. I, I say that to be careful that we don't use that tool. You know, we communicate honestly, but also that that is not used against us. You know, sometimes we get this idea, everybody is thinking this. Everybody feels this way. You know, sometimes even, you know, I'll say something to Frances, like I, people are upset about that. She'll say, who? Well, Larry, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like you got that one person. Uh, so so I, I think that is worth looking at this attack. But more than that, again, I want to go back to combining these two terms together. Sometimes as we look at our world, we have the idea, and I've heard this statement made, that our world is tolerant of everything but biblical Christianity. Okay? Sometimes it feels like that. Our world is tolerant of everything but biblical Christianity. And I just want to make sure that we remember that if you're thinking we live in corrupt times, you are absolutely right. However, every Bible character lived in a fallen culture. Okay? Every Bible hero had to grapple with a culture that was fallen. So, you know, you might want to say, well, I remember the good old days. Just, just real quickly for a second. Uh, I have great memories of my childhood. I thought, man, that was great. Life was so good back then and everything like that. Uh, after my parents died a few years ago, for some reason, my brother and sister decided to fill me in on some details I never got. They were six years older and eight years older than I was. They never told me, but it's kind of like, oh, you're in your 50s now. You can handle it. <laughs> I didn't want to hear these things. Uh, life was not quite as good as I remembered it. You know, sometimes we're just, oh, the good old days, it was great and everything like that. I don't mean to be insensitive because I do think we live in a fallen culture. I mean, I think our world, and, and I am very concerned about the direction it's going, but at the same time, you know, I want to say, kind of get over it. In other words, yes, culture is fallen. Yes, this is where th things are. And why is it? That, uh, you know, we, we, we go through life with both of these things promised. God promises his blessing, also promises persecution. He says they hated me. If you follow me, uh, Jesus said, you can expect persecution. You can expect hard times. But why is it sometimes God does things the way he does? You know, we're, I'm going to jump ahead just for a second into what we're going to read. But <laughs> I think you all know God ends up shutting the mouths of the lions. But I kind of look at that sometimes and say, why didn't he shut the eyes of the people ahead of time, so they never saw him praying. Why didn't, they, why didn't he shut their mouths so they couldn't come in with this plan? Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, if God can shut the mouths of lions, why didn't he shut these guys' mouths ahead of time? Why didn't he do this? And a lot of times we look at life and we just say, you know, God, why? And the phrase that I think is so important that we remember is that God works all things together for his glory and our ultimate good. And we don't always understand why, but we'll see this more as we go through this story if we can remember that God working all things together for his glory and our ultimate good. Okay, I'm going to pick it up in verse number 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he went into the house and had, the, and had windows in the upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. The next five words are very significant, as he had done previously. I want to come back to that. You may have a translation that says something like, as was his custom. But he had done this before, and he continues to do it. Then these men made an agreement and found Daniel making the petition. I'm sorry, the men who, who made this agreement found Daniel making petition 
and plead before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians. It cannot be revoked. They answered and said, Daniel, (laughs) one of the exiles from Judah, I mean, that was 60, 70 years before this, uh, but one of those exiles from Judah, O king, uh, he, he pays no attention to you or the injunction, and he makes petitions three times a day. And then the king, when he heard this, he was much distressed, and he set a mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till sun went down to rescue him. See, the law had to be fulfilled that day, so he had till sundown to rescue him. And, he's, and he, he did everything that he could. He did not want uh, Daniel to, to face this judgment. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of the Lord's, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace. He spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him that night, and, it, and sleep fled from him. So he's up all night worried about Daniel. Then at the break of day, the king arose, and he went in haste to the den of lions, and as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out to the, in a tone of anguish. <laughs> the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God. Love that phrase, don't you? This man had gods of stone. But he says, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. A typical greeting of the time. My God sent his angels, shut the mouths of the lions, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and before you. O king, I have uh, been done no harm. Then the king was, I'm, I'm sorry, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, not even a scratch, because he had trusted in God, and the king commanded. And those who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. And as was the custom with most of the ancient cultures, not that of the children of God, but they and their children and their wives were thrown in there. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones to pieces. Now, in case you thought maybe the lions weren't hungry, that myth was just dispelled, okay? As soon as they threw the other ones in there, it's yummy time, okay? And uh, someone has suggested that the lions really made out on this deal because instead of getting one old grizzly uh, Jew that was mostly backbone and grit, uh, now they got some flabby spineless meads to eat. So, <laughs> hey, all right, we made out uh, uh, right here. Nice, nice trade-off. But uh, the second couple of words that I want you to see together, I want us to notice his persistence and his protection, now, persistence might not be my best word there, but it had a P, and I wanted to stand with all P's, so I had to go with it. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I should have gone with consistence, but uh, it, it is this idea. Okay, 
Remember, first of all, this story is very similar to the one we looked at in chapter 3 of the Hebrew children thrown into the fire. One of the big differences is in that, Nebuchadnezzar got mad when they wouldn't listen to him, and they were like, kill him! This king was like, I don't really want him to die, <laughs> okay? I'm going to do everything I can to save, save Daniel, because Daniel obviously had already earned a great reputation and had found favor with the king. Remember, he was getting ready to promote him. I heard a preacher um, not embellishing this story, but trying to liven up. I don't know why you need to liven up. Uh, he's, trying to, he's trying to act out the story. And uh, he says, now this decree went out from the king. And the king says, you can't pray to your God. And Daniel said, yeah, I'll show you. I'll show you. I don't only pray. I'm going to open the windows up and pray. In your face, buddy. That's how he's going to do it. Nice story and easy to listen to, but not really what the Bible says. What the Bible says, and I think this is important, Daniel did what he always did, okay? He didn't say, in your face. He didn't, like, you know, that, that does it. Oh, now I'm persecuted, everything like that. He just lived his consistent life the way he had always lived his life, okay? I'm calling it persistence here, but hopefully you get that idea. He just did what he always did. You know, I was thinking through, I always hesitate. A couple weeks ago, I used a guy's name in a negative sense, which I, I don't normally do. I always also hesitate to use somebody's name in a positive sense because I'm always afraid somebody's going to come up later and say, you know, show me their phone. Did you see the story about so-and-so? <laughs> yeah, sorry. But I was thinking about somebody like this who lives in the world with a Christian testimony and who is respected even though he maintains his testimony. And the name that came to mind, one of the names that came to mind to me was Tony Dungy. If you all know who he is, he's a broadcaster now, a former coach of the Colts, and, and uh, before that actually played for the Steelers back in the 70s. So that makes him good. But, um, but uh, you know, he is, a, he is a guy that basically has maintained just consistently. And, you know, if they ask him something, they, they know what he's going to say. It's not like he's looking to make a stink. He's just who he is. He's a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. I actually kind of think Tim Tebow's building that same type of reputation. You know, I know he's, he gets some animosity, but for over a dozen years now, the guy's been testifying, you know, about the Lord and being consistent in that way. And that's the type of thing we're talking about. Somebody who's, that's who they are. They're not, they're not looking to put on a show. They're not looking to, to attract negative attention. It's just who they are. It is, I think that is so important because I've watched sometimes Christians, <gasps> I'm being persecuted. And a lot of times I think that's because you're acting like a jerk. I mean, honestly, I mean, stop acting like that, and nobody's going to give you our time in that way. You're inviting this so that you can run around and say you're being persecuted. That's not what Daniel did. Daniel just lived the way he always lived. He got up three times a day, and he prayed. So the window's open. Well, he always did that. He, that's how he liked to pray, facing Jerusalem. That, that's, that's how he did it. And he just said, hey, this is who I am. Uh, this is not going to change in his professional life, in his personal life, in his prayer life. This is not a tutorial on prayer. Hey, pray with the windows open and let everybody see. I mean, if you know it all in the New Testament, it says kind of the opposite. It says when you pray, don't put on a show. Daniel wasn't putting on a show. That's just how he prayed. That makes sense. That's a good point, isn't it? <laughs> okay. You guys, I, I can't tell if you like it or not. It's a good point. Okay, the second thing, though, we see in here is that he, it, again, protection goes with that. Daniel came out unharmed. But I wanted you, you know, just to think about this for a second. The king, Darius, is, uh, he can't sleep. Okay, he's up fasting. Uh, he says, brought to him no distractions. Probably that's, you know, he had a harem. 
Uh, nobody's coming tonight. Uh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to fast. I'm worried about Daniel. He's scared. You don't see that in Daniel at all. <laughs> you don't see him scared. I mean, it's kind of like, yep, I got the peace. I, I, I wanted to find it in there. The scripture doesn't say it, but I could see him sleeping in a lion's den. Okay. Oh, could you stop growling? Okay. Oh, it's your stomach? All right. Uh, you know, because I really would like to stay asleep over here. The king's kind of freaking out. Daniel's not. And one of the things as we've gone through the first six chapters of Daniel and just seen God's sovereignty, sing, uh, see what we sang about this morning, his authority, one word from him, as we see that, that I hope I can communicate to you all is just this idea of trusting in him and having a peace because I watch everybody, but God's people also just freaking out about things going on. And again, I'm not saying there's not some things worth freaking out about if we didn't know God was in charge, okay? And I, I hope you can kind of see that Daniel knew he was protected. That, that's another difference in the story between the three Hebrew children because remember, I looked and it said they weren't even sure God could save them, uh, but Daniel knew right away, hey, God can do this. It's, it's just no big deal. Now, I want to read the end of the chapter and then um, personalize a little bit more. Then King Darius wrote to all the people's nations and languages that dwell on the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. Here's what he does now. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the, before the God of Daniel. Again, this phrase, for he is the living God. <laughs> That's awesome. Enduring forever, his kingdom shall not be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So, so Daniel, see, I said every chapter ends with that. He prospered. He's moving forward. Okay, he's had a rough go of it. He's had opposition, but he continues to prosper. The last two things, I want us to take a few minutes just in application of this and focus on your pit, okay, and your past. Now, let, let me explain. By looking for a minute at your pit, what I want you to see is this. I, uh, I have been part of a, a men's group um, that is, I guess it's kind of accountability, I, I don't know, but it's a, it's a men's group we meet every other week, and it had taken a COVID sabbatical. We, we tried at first to do the Zoom, and that wasn't working. It was kind of a, you got to be in your face, and the Zoom just didn't work. So it died for about a year, but it has revived here in the last month, so I've gotten to go to a couple more meetings. One of the things that we always do there is we check in. And they, they talk about some of the core emotions that people have that drive a lot of other things and say, are you feeling this? And you have to check in. Now, some of you are kind of like, keep me away from that group. Uh, but uh, but it, it's been a real healthy thing for me. But one of the emotions that we are to address each time is, is there anything that has you scared? Because fear is one of these core emotions that drives so many other things. Um, I'm not an expert in counseling, but I've had enough counselor training and talking to counselors to know that a lot of times you can pinpoint a problem and take it back to fear, okay, that somebody has a, a deep in fear. Well, I want to encourage you to check in for a moment. We won't do it out loud and go person to person, uh, but in your mind, I want you to check in. Is there something that is your pit, if you will, it's out ahead of you and it's producing fear? I'm scared about this. I am scared for the future of 
my daughter. I'm scared for the future of my son. I'm scared about this action that uh, this loved one is taking. I'm scared about health. I'm scared about getting old. I'm scared about dying. I'm scared about whatever it is. I'm going to encourage you to just take a minute and say, what is your pit? Could you identify that for a second and think? Because I think many of us, I don't know how to say this, we have one. Uh, we have something that, uh, that, if we're honest, has us scared. In fact, that is one emotion, if you will, in our small group that seldom ever gets passed up. I am scared about this, to be honest. And I don't have time to go into great detail on it, but again, that can lead into so many different other problems that we have when we live in this fear. Okay? So I want you to think, I want you to identify the pit, the thing that might have you scared. And then I want you to think about your past. Now, what I mean by that is not, you know, let's dwell on the past. But I want you to think about, I want you to find a go-to moment in your life. That Okay, Daniel, when he goes in the lion's den, <laughs> hey, do you know how many times they've been saying they're going to kill me? <laughs> yeah, they're going to kill me because I don't eat the king's meat. They're going to kill me because I can't interpret the dream. They're going to kill the boys in the fire. Uh, you know, God keeps delivering me. I, I'm not really going to worry about the lions this time. If he did all those other things, I think he can do this. I want you to look at your life and look and say, is there that go-to moment that I can hold on to? I love to be able to talk to people uh, who are going through a difficult time and say, I've been there. I've been there. There's victory on the other side. When I can't, I always try to find, uh, think of somebody else who has been there. Um, I have a good, actually, member of the small group I was talking about that had a uh, shattered relationship with his son. And every time he'd come, this was a fear, this was a burden on his heart. You know, just his adult son that's 30-something and has his own family, and he had no relationship with him, and he, he was heartbroken about this over and over again. I still get, still get excited, a little choked up when I remember the meeting when he said, hey, guys, listen to what happened this week. My son called me up. And we had just a great time of healing and everything like that. And since then, his son has moved back into the area. He had moved to get away from his father, and he's moved back in, and they've restored that relationship. I love hearing that, and I, I want to be able to share with somebody who's, who's struggling with, with things like that. I want, you, I want you to have a story. Now, I want to give you a couple examples in my life. Yeah, I hope you'll take this time and try to find your story. But here's the type of thing, and this, this first one's kind of goofy, but I remember a day when... Um, it, you know, we were in one of these stages in our lives where the, there was nothing in the checkbook. You know, you had to schedule your checks. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> let's see. If I put this date on here, yeah, we should have some money in there by then. Uh, things were a little tight. Let's just say it like that. And uh, one day when we flushed the little toilet, uh, water filled up in the tub. Yes, I know. Disgusting. I'm sorry. Uh, it, and it was. And uh, we thought, uh, I think we might have a little septic problem here. I thought to myself, we cannot afford a new septic system. There is just absolutely no way. And I can remember we, <laughs> when they took a bath, I was getting five-gallon buckets and dragging the... By the way, soapy water will kill plants. Don't do that. Uh, but I was dragging it outside and dumping it and everything like that. And we had to get it uh, fixed. And, and I thought, you know, we can't afford a new septic system. So I went and I rented one of these. Uh, it was a rotor rooter, but some of you have seen the ones that come on a little wheel. This had like a, an engine that you drove into it that spun it. And these eight-foot sections of tubing. I don't know if you've ever seen those or not. But I got ten of these eight-foot sections. So you had to run one in and back it up and put the next section in and clip it together and everything like that. But the, the thing that was going in there was, was pretty thick. And um, you, you had to use a whole big area. So I had taken the toilet off. 
you know, so, so the toilet's off. I'm running the snake down there. I'm bringing it in and out through the laundry room uh, with this stuff like that. Um, I won't give you the great detail, but some things kind of fly off that little thing spinning around. And when you're bringing it in and out of your sewer tank, it just wasn't a nice picture. Uh, so, th so this is going on. Uh, the, the washing machine, which went past, was splattered. I was splattered. And I got to the place where I realized all the work I'd done had accomplished absolutely nothing. I needed a new septic system. And I, I, I can remember I was sitting there on the floor beside the empty hole uh, and uh, sitting there. And I was just like, we can't do this. I mean, I remember Francis came in like, are you all right? No, and I wasn't. And I was in tears and wiping tears with that stuff. Anyway, uh, it was not a pretty picture at all. So I'm sitting there covered in. Everything's covered in. I'm pretty depressed about this whole thing. And I'm just thinking, where? But, you know, that actually became a go-to moment in my life. Because, <laughs> he's like, you have some problems. Uh, but because that was a moment when I thought, there's no way. We absolutely cannot survive this. this. We can't take this hit. You know, whatever the septic system is going to be, I, I can't afford it. There's no way we're going to, you know, what, what is going to happen here? We're going we're gonna to lose out. But I remember that God, brought, I remember sitting there thinking, there's no way I'm done. And God basically stepped in and said, we got this. We got this. Not the big deal. I love that. One other thing real quick, personally, a uh, time in my life when I had sinned and hid that sin and thought, hey, you know what? I can't, I can't let anybody know about this. Uh, it will destroy everything. And finally got to the place where the conviction was, and, and God brought that out into the light, that sin. And I just believed I'm going to lose everything in this. And the flood of mercy and grace from God and from others in my life that came in was absolutely overwhelming. So when I think, hide my sin, i got to go to that moment. When I think, can't get out of it, it's too bad. i got to go to this moment. But one other thing real quickly. I hope that you have some go-to moments you can go to. But if not, I want to give you one. Um, many times Old Testament characters give us what are called types of Christ. They give us a picture of Jesus Christ. Daniel is one of those characters. Okay, Daniel was falsely accused like somebody named Jesus. Daniel was, you know, con convicted by conspiracy, like somebody named Jesus. Daniel, remember, the king did everything he could to get him off. Remember, Pilate? Uh, let's release a prisoner. Um, let's, let's get him off. Yeah, let, let's, we, we don't want to uh, kill Jesus, we don't want, and, and he didn't want to kill Daniel. Uh, Daniel was put in a uh, pit, and they rolled a stone over it. They sealed it up like that, and they put the official seal on it. Jesus, of course, had the stone rolled in front of the tomb and had the official Roman seal on it. Daniel was found alive. And so was Jesus. What I want you to take as a go-to moment is the greatest rescue that the world has ever or will ever seen, that God decided to rescue mankind from his fallen sinfulness by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price. Why do we, uh, why do, we do communion? We did it last week, and, and uh, why, why do we have communion? I want that to be a go-to moment. Jesus Christ gave His life for me. 
why do, uh, why do we preach the gospel when most of you already know the gospel? You know that Jesus died to save. Many of you have trusted Jesus as your Savior. You know that. Why would I preach it again? Because I want it to be a go-to moment. I want you to go back and say, hey, you know what? He has already met my greatest need. I can trust him with this. Daniel goes in the lion's pit. Hey, <laughs> how scary can this be? Do you know how many times they've threatened to kill me? It's not going to happen until God says it's going to happen. I'm not worried about the lions. I want you to take that go-to moment today, if you, if you can, and just grab on to that. I, I hope, seriously, I hope you can look back at your life and say, hey, I remember this. I hope there's some specific narratives, some, some specific stories that you can hold on to. But I promise you this is one you can hold on to. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you look and say, He has already made it so that I no longer pay the penalty for my sin. I have eternal life through Jesus Christ and what He gave. And if that is not a go-to moment in your life, can I say, God wants that to be. Okay? Jesus died on the cross that you could know Him personally by just receiving, believing that what He did is enough to pay the price for your sin. Saying, God, I know I need a Savior. I trust in you as that Savior. What a go-to moment to hold on to. Uh, we're going to close with a song and ask the team to come back up. We got Jeremy, Jen, and Jess. And can we call you Jerry today? So we have all J's. But, uh, but uh, we're going to close with a song. And I, I, I asked uh, you know, Jeremy, that, you know, he said, you want a contemplative song or an upbeat song? I said, well, I kind of like to leave it an up upbeat song. Uh, but at the same time that we'll, we'll sing and, and praise him together, I also want to, you know, hopefully you've had a little time to do that, to, to look and think. But I want you to continue to think, hey, what are some go-to moments in my life that I want to hold on to? I want to look at my past and say, hey, this is where God has delivered me. And especially if you have not found, if, you, if you're coming up empty, may I remind you, that Jesus Christ has already given the greatest victory, the greatest uh, rescue ever when he came and laid down his life on the cross for you and said, believe in me, believe in me for forgiveness of sin. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.